mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? Episode 50, this makes it the Brinley. Brinley? We got a Brinley. Okay. Um, She is um, Artist Jed's. So, Jeer. Jeremiah. Jeer. But Artist Jed's, the mm-hmm. one in the last... You, know, you know, big like seven days for Artist Jed. He got mm-hmm. his first talking head last week. Mm-hmm. And then now he's, you know, his first child is wow. the episode namesake. So, um, yeah, this is his first, Brinley, and then her middle name is Noelle. Brinley Noelle. She was born on Christmas Day, this past Christmas. Okay. So, episode 50, which on that note, um, that feels like a big number, doesn't it? That is a big number. Like, 50 feels like a fucking thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, like, we're doing this. This is like an actual thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I know that there was some... Like, I've had a lot of people be like, oh, my gosh, you're the only Duggar podcast that has held on because a lot of them have <laughs> dropped off, like, in the 30s and mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I don't know, just kind of off the top of my head. But I'm like, 50 feels like a fucking number. It's you real. Know? Speaking of numbers, though. Uh-oh. Because we're in orders of business now. Oh, okay. The O-O-B. So not only did we hit number three this week <sighs> in TV and film. Man. Okay, I eventually, I promise eventually... We won't talk about this anymore, but just let me have this for a moment. Just like, let me fucking take this. My anxiety, I've been handling pretty Mm. well. So, you know, I'm fucking celebrating it. So if this annoys you, skip ahead. That's what the fucking 15 second ahead button is for. Take that dub. Um, But I'm just going to enjoy this. I'm just going to like number like I when we hit number four and I say all these things like when I say that, like when we hit number four, I thought this is like a one time thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to savor this, take it in. I don't even mean that in like a way where I'm just like, oh, being like a sad sack. It's yeah. just like, to me, it's just being realistic. Mm-hmm. Where I was just like, this is going to be like this peak moment for us. Yeah. Savor it. And it's going <laughs> to, mm-hmm. it's going to be fleeting. Yeah. But we held on to number four for like weeks. Yep. And then, you know, we went to five and we went to six. And then so this week to see us up, I could yeah. not have ever imagined going up. Mm-hmm. Like it blows my fucking mind. Yeah. So when I saw three, I'm like, "What is this shit?" Like I yeah. could, I couldn't have, I could not have ever. Like I told you guys before, when we were talking about statistics and where it puts you, I was just like, "Well, we won't ever hit that." Right. I just thought I was being realistic. I'm yeah. a realistic person. <laughs> yeah. So this just is all mind blowing mm-hmm. to me. And I think what's fascinating is that I feel like a lot of kind of like life goal things are that way where like that becomes the thing that you focus on for so long of like I just have to I just have to do this like mine for a long time especially working in the industry I was in was like I just don't want to live paycheck to paycheck yeah and that was like my goal for so long was like I just want to not have to worry every two weeks that I'm going to make it you know and then when I hit a point where I was 
I wasn't making mass amounts of money. I was barely over living paycheck to paycheck, but it felt so good. And then the nice part is after that, I was like, where do I go from here now that this is a norm? You know, I remember a moment for me, Tim, where we're like, damn, we fucking made it. Besides the fact that when we were starting to use Ubers for Disneyland, instead of walking three miles. (laughs) There was, can I tell that story real quick? So we're getting older and Disney was our place. Like that was our splurge. Once a year, we always went for our anniversary. We used to stay in Orange. Yes. So just a little bit south of Anaheim. Um, but we, it was still on the art, so we would pay to have like the little shuttle that would take us back to our hotel, and it was like a, a cheap, cheaper hotel that was a little bit farther away. It came Meridian Inn and Suites. We the went Mer- there all the time. Shout out! I love Meridian Inn and Suites and the man that made the waffles in the morning. Thank yes, you, sir. Thank had, you, kind sir. They had breakfast in the morning, so that was another way for us to save money. One of my favorite memories of there was that I bought like a really cool. Um, coffee mug and i remember when we went downstairs for our breakfast the second day like i i drank coffee out of that coffee mug and i was like this is so that's such a warm memory for me but so we ended up staying closer we stayed in anaheim we were like what what are we doing here oh yeah i worked fucking rockefellers oh yeah pine nuts staying closer (laughs) to disneyland yeah i worked for hilton so i was able to get it like super employee discounty and we it was like what a mile away from like the actual park we were gonna walk it because we're used to it yeah and it's a mile you know what i mean we walk miles all the time yeah and we're exhausted at this point because we're old so and we do we do open to close by the way we don't waste a fucking second of our precious money yeah you get that and you you jam those rides in. We ride when when parades are going on. Oh, we have a whole fucking oh, thing. Yeah. Day one, we hit a parade. Day two is rides while parade. Ride, ride, ride. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, the story of this was we were walking out to um, like almost to where the place where the shuttles are. And we were going to keep walking and then walk down the road to go to our hotel. And at one point, I don't remember which one of us said it first, but we were passing the area where the ride shares pick up people at the park. And one of us looked at the other one and was like, would you be mad if we like got like a lift back to the hotel? And the other one was like, oh my God, I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) We're like sitting in the back of this stranger's car and we're like... Damn, we fucking made it where we're yeah. we're not walking a mile anymore. Yep. Like we're <laughs> Yeah. That was our splurge was that we got a lift the mile one point two miles away from the park. But, like we fucking made it in life, yeah. man. Yeah. And I think I'd wanna... also built my own lightsaber there, so I was carrying heavy machinery. It's true. You know? It's true. That was my <laughs> gift to him. It was so good. Um for our anniversary yeah Mm -hmm. but i think like another time i remember when your old car before we got vivian when you had um maxine Mm. when he had maxine i remember like there was a point where she needed like a bunch of work done it was like 700 dollars or something like that Mm -hmm. and i remember tim and i like arguing arguing over who would pay for it because i was like i got the money i'll pay for it because we we actually people think this is wild but we have separate finances we just pay Mm -hmm. different bills yeah it's always worked for us people were like that's weird but that's i'm like that's how we've always operated and we're still a team because Mm -hmm. we divide things and we cover different anyways yeah besides the point but i remember when we were like arguing over who would pay to have his car fixed we were like look at us (laughs) yeah 
and they were fixing it. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings right next well, door, and we were just like, yeah. man, we've like this is such a unique spot that we've never been in before. So, anyways, that is a long way of saying that that's kind of what this like number three, number four situation feels like, mm-hmm. where you're just like, oh, did we just like fucking make it when we didn't? And like you, know- you said on the last episode, like. You're like we slash you are not making career money off of this, but it feels like such a good milestone that we're like, yo, like this is so cool. Well, you know, people, I I, I love it because people have been sending us messages. They're like, I just got an ad for Tic Tacs, like you know, <laughs> like and like and people are so excited uh, for us and so happy for yeah. us that like, and I'm just like, thank you. Like people are just so <laughs> sweet. And those automated ads, like you know, the RPM is kind of low compared to like a host red ad or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the dream is still um, host red ads, uh, um, poopery dots, pretzels and old, old world Christmas at your girl. Brass um, armadillo. Brass ar- well, n- n- we have a little problems with brass armadillo lately, but um, <laughs> people in the pickle a month club know, but like, so there's still the dream of like those, host red ads yeah number one because just being behind something that we genuinely love mm-hmm. i take any host red ad even if i've never used it before i'll try it <laughs> but 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 just getting like those other ads even though they're, they're like a lower like rate it's just like oh man like look yeah. at that you it's know? a step yeah, yeah it's a milestone so it's just been really fun how people have been so supportive of that and we appreciate it for us so anyways that was a long way of talking about Hitting number three, yeah, and how you guys thought. Now you guys know how we were like, "Whoa, man, we got a lift, <laughs> and we just made it in life." Um, just a really quick Mildred minute. Ooh, Mildred minute. A couple people have talked about like missing the Mildred minute, but this is only because June's almost over, and yeah. I realized, oh shit, I have not posted her June caller. Mm-hmm. So I will post it on Instagram for everybody to see. But in the meantime, I just want everybody to know that for the month of June, she has been wearing a peach collar. Mm-hmm. It is peach season. Which means that I walk around the house all day saying, what's more vulnerable than a peach? <laughs> so shout out if you know what that's a reference to. What's more vulnerable than a peach? Should we tell them at the end? In yeah, case that, they didn't there you get go. It? Okay. We'll what's do more that. vulnerable than a peach? And actually, on the on the idea of staying tuned to the end, mm-hmm. you know, for the people who want to hear more Mildred content at the end, mm-hmm. let's tell the story about Mildred and her library card at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. All right, so, oh, it's a callback to... So stay tuned for the end of the episode if you want more mm-hmm. Mildred content. <laughs> um, final order of business, not really that important, but um, y- your guys' responses to Judy was fucking hilarious <laughs> everybody was just like just all the chiming in on the whole judy situation gave me a good chuckle so thank you for the chuckles oh, and um i did respond to judy and i have not heard back just so but you know i'm oh. awful so yeah well we know <laughs> but you're are awful exactly you know i couldn't hope for anything more one of our favorite shows, Boy Meets World. Don't hate her, sir. She's, She's my our problem. Okay, <laughs> you ready to actually get into this episode? All right. Brindley. So, this episode is called Star Spangled Duggers. <laughs> and it premiered September 1st of 2009. People can't see this. I'll never do video podcasts. 
I'll just never do it. But you can't see the the movements I do. Yeah. Like that was a big movement while mm-hmm. I said that. So the episode starts sort of picking back up on that day at the Capitol from the last episode. Mm-hmm. They head over to the Jefferson Memorial and David Barton Go is figure. their guide for this. Um, remember so i'm sure he had lots to say considering he wrote a whole book about all those jefferson lies Mm. so them being at the jefferson memorial is just very interesting it all ties together as they're standing there um marine one flies overhead Mm -hmm. and they're all pretty excited and waving but michelle is actually she seems the most excited of the Mm -hmm. group like she seems rather into it Mm mm-hmm In a talking head, they ask her what she would say if she had five minutes with Barack Obama. And she said, and it's really long. I was going to do Michelle voice. It's just too long. I can't can't keep it for that long. So Mm -hmm. she said, I would tell him that we're praying for him and for his wife, Michelle, and their children. That is a huge responsibility to have for anyone and especially someone with a family. And that we are just praying for them to have wisdom to make wise decisions for our country. And that God would place people around them that would be good counsel for them as well. Wise counsel. And so um, we regularly regularly pray for them and their family. Okay. After Jefferson Memorial, it was really busy and they were getting recognized. And so it got even crazier and they had to leave. And that kind of sums it all up um, of what we'll see of them at the memorials and things Mm -hmm. for the whole episode. It was actually pretty quick. Yeah. I'm like, they had to have gone to see more, but I feel like it was probably like just not great footage. Right. And they were just like, fucking forget it. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, (laughs) like, I don't think they probably, they were there and just went to the Jefferson Memorial, but. Don't get me wrong. The less David Barton talks, the better. So I was glad that he didn't really talk a whole lot. (laughs) Yeah. In the next scene, they're arriving at Miriam's kitchen to volunteer. We do have a bingo spot. Cell phone belt clip. Yep, phone yep. belt clip. All right. There. Spoiler alert: There wasn't a as much bingo action as there Dude, has been. It is like nothing. This barren. Episode. Like I kept looking over, like just mm-hmm. to make sure, because I kind of remember them all. But I was like, seriously, nothing else. And like, I no. legit when they were like walking to places, I was legit like pausing it to see if like. The girls were wearing like matching shirts and there was nothing. nothing. Yeah. This is a barren episode. <laughs> a wee barren. <laughs> um, so yeah, cell phone belt clip. Mm-hmm. He probably had it on earlier in the episode, but he was wearing a suit. So it would be yeah. covered up. His jacket yeah, was covering exactly, it. Yeah, so. I looked. <laughs> me too. I was. <laughs> me too. So... So they're at Miriam's kitchen where they say that there's about 4,000 unhoused individuals a year Mm -hmm. that they help, um, that they serve. And they tell them to expect anywhere between 75 and 100 people to show up that day to eat. They get divided up into groups. Grandma got the shaft this time. Um, (laughs) For once, it wasn't Jill or Cinder Jana. But Grandma gets stuck watching the little ones. And if you're over the age of 16, you got to work in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. If you weren't 16, you helped fill the orders, which we'll get to a little bit in a second. So we see them in the kitchen cooking. John David is cutting up chicken. Cannon is peeling apples. And then she ends up getting pulled to make guacamole and salsa. The guy running the kitchen, he seems really on top of it. 
Yeah, he was like not in an asshole way, but he was like cracking the whip. Like move him, keep moving, keep moving. He's got his eyes on everything and Mm -hmm. he's delegating very well. Absolutely. Steve Badt. I didn't even cut. Yeah, there you B-A- go. It's like B A D T. His name was like Steve Bat. That's the chef of this. It says director, but he's dressed like chef like. Yeah. And you could tell he's just the type that's just super direct and gets shit done. Not like Tim said, not an asshole, but he's mm-hmm. just like he's direct. He gives instruction. He's just like next, next, next. You know. Which, which on a random side note, like makes sense because if you're, I feel like cooking is hard to direct people who don't have professional cooking experience because you kind of got to move like this isn't, you know, you have a deadline you have. It's not as casual as I think people would think of like watching cooking shows on TV or something. So I think he did it in a really good way where he was like, nope, we got to keep you moving. We got it. We got to move in a direction. We have to open at a certain time without being condescending. Yeah. It's know. like you're here to help, but I <laughs> this is also not just like fun. Like I need you to fucking move. Yeah, like, there you it know? is. Because yep. it is different dealing with employees versus, mm-hmm. versus volunteers. And I feel like he did it very well. And on a minor level, most kitchen professionals are kind of pirates. So they can kind of take that kind of... Not abuse, but like working in a really fast pace, like You're high used to like the stress just environment, directness, and like mm-hmm. the like fucking move, and like yeah. not take it personally. Yeah, and, you know, absolutely. Yeah. So they have Lego working the flat top, and he's cooking off the chicken, peppers, and onions. And he says, "I haven't had that much cooking experience. Uh, experience cooking. We know, we know. Um, but this is a lot of fun. I'm learning here." I may end up being a chef before it's over with. Okie dokie. Sure, Lego. <laughs> there is one pest gone pest moment. What's that? Um, when they were getting ready to start cooking, he put on a hairnet. And the camera was looking at him and somebody else. And as he was putting it on, he looked at the camera and he was like, I'm just worried about it. It's going to mess up my hair. I didn't even catch that at all. Mm-hmm. I don't remember this even in the slightest, but I'm going to go with it. And I moved on. I'm going to go with it. So I need to cover Pest Gone Pest. (laughs) Which I'm not going to get it, but that'll actually give me, yeah, that lines up right next to a foam belt clip for me. Why can I not find this square? This is ridiculous. (laughs) Like I'm scouring this board. On a side note, while Whitney's looking for her spot on the board. Dear God, it took me forever. I just found it. (laughs) The thing about catering that I think people forget is that you have to give people everything that they need for that dish. All at once. So the example I'll give you is like if we had pancakes, you also have to think about butter, syrup, jam, honey. If you're going to offer it, chocolate sauce. Like, there's so many different things that you have to add. And I will say, my least favorite thing to cater is a taco bar. They're the fucking worst. Because you have to separate. Mm -hmm. You have to separate everything lettuce, tomato, cheese, sour cream, salsa, beans, rice, guac. Two different for me it was like two different shells, mm-hmm. hard and crispy. This yep. usually was like two different meat. Oh God, taco yeah. bars are the fucking <laughs> bane of my existence in the catering world. Yeah. And as and from the guest perspective, you look at it from like this because it was like Chipotle style, where like you pick your meat and you get like toppings in it. 
but it's just so many individual ingredients. You know how at my last job I got people sometimes off it when they would put the order in, I'd be like, "Fuck me!" Like, <laughs> but in my email correspondence, I'd be like, because they would have, I'd be like, "Do you have your, you know, room selected?" Like mm. I'm like, "I see you saying that I need to deliver here yep. because it was like stuff for like the school district or whatever," and I'd be like, "Just taking into account." these bars because it is it takes up a fuck and this isn't a lie it takes mm-hmm. up a fuck ton of table space of space yeah. and so i was like do you have enough space because i i'm not in charge of facilities i just bring you the goddamn you food. Drop the food and yeah. so i and they'd be like oh wow yeah you're right and i'm like oh you want to switch that that oh that's too bad you want to do something else yeah <laughs> because i was like fuck a taco bar yep. i hated it it was so many things yep. so that's my that's my soapbox about taco bars yep anyway Okay, so where am I? Um, Lego hair just oh. said I'll be a chef when I'm done. So here. then it goes, to, it cuts to the other group, which they're doing filling the orders for clothing, and that's for the ones that aren't aren't 16 plus. Like Anna is kind of heading up that team, mm-hmm. and um, Joe seems Joe is out there. So there are some older ones, but yeah. that's kind of how they divided the groups up. And now Lego is done cooking the fajita chicken and he's panning it up and says, I may end up being our family cook after this. And from across the kitchen, Cannon yells, I heard that. I heard that. So she says it twice. Yeah. She wants to make sure you know she heard it. Now we watch as they serve the public. And kind of like we mentioned, it's it's not a taco bar, but it's a build your own burrito situation. Mm -hmm. So they get to select what they want on it. And it, I will say it all looks really good. Yeah. Looks great. Absolutely. absolutely. They, did, they did a really good job. And a pop-up on the screen says that they made over 100 burritos that day. It's very nice. That's, like. That's okay. nothing to sneeze at. Like. Yeah. It's. And you know this from big hospitals and catering and stuff. Like. I feel like it's easy for people to be like, oh, I made dinner and it was for six people. But like making dinner for that many people is. Or making a meal for that many people is, it's a lot With of stuff. With all those components. Mm-hmm. It's very different to do mashed potatoes, meatloaf, and a vegetable versus these fucking bars. Oh, it's yeah. a whole other fucking beast, mm-hmm. let me tell you. Yep. Fucking hated a bar. Um, but I love a bar. <laughs> so Lego and the director guy, chef, running the show, they go out to do um, table touches, as we call it in the industry. Mm-hmm. And they're asking how the food is, and that's when we find out that the Duggars actually bought all the food that day. So, Oh, little, I didn't catch that. Yeah. So he says, they bought all the food, and they came here and prepared it. Nice. So that was their like little donation that they purchased all that. And that's usually the challenge with like, you know, food banks and stuff like that, is that like they don't get funding. Like, and when sometimes it can be hard to make a cohesive meal. Correct. off of donations donations yeah. yeah so that's there's one thing that i noted in here that i just want to say i love the idea i have um a couple industry friends that do a lot of food bank stuff during like december um you know making sure that people can get fed but like that's their thing is that they're like one of the biggest things they need other than socks as a donation is money yeah like they just need to help they have people that are good at what they're doing but they just need money mm-hmm. you know Yep. So now we see them walking. Uh, so oh, that actually, um, that's the end of that 
Mm -hmm. whole thing. I didn't note that, but so that's the end of that scene. Now we see them walking, trying to find the Metro. Lego's trying to figure it all out, and it is a disaster to say the very least. Man. Before we get into the details of the debacle, I'll first quote Ginger, who says, we're not like big city people, and so (laughs) we don't know what we're doing. Which is understatement of the year to 2009. <laughs> if there was anything understated in that year, it was that. But uh, Lego is a mess. And he gets one card with multiple fares on it. And he's like, what happened? And it's canceling his transactions. And Cannon is trying to read the instructions to him. Go figure. He doesn't seem to be listening that much. At all. And he's still struggling and says, I don't know what happened. Oh, yeah, he was a mess. And at one point, Cannon is like, sweetie, why are you doing that? Yep. (laughs) I don't know, it's so funny. Um, And it just feels like kind of the umbrella moment. Remember the way she was just like, it kind of feels like that where it's like the break in moment where you can feel her kind of being like, what the fuck are you yep, doing? Yep. We're in that where she was like, oh, 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 that's Scott. This is also just like, mm-hmm. the fuck are you doing, sweetie? Yep. <laughs> and at the same time as Michelle asks him, like, where she's just like, sweetie, why are you doing it? At the exact same time, Jessa's kind of like yelling something. <laughs> and I can only make out one word. And that's transaction in what she's saying. But it doesn't really matter what she's saying because the point is that she's got an attitude and her voice is raised. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. She was over it. Jessa was like, follow a transaction. That's all I could hear was the end word transaction. So she's clearly like reading probably something off the screen or whatever. And a worker very begrudgingly, (laughs) might I add, he was not interested he walks up to help, and the difference between what Lego and Cannon says is very funny. So Lego says, hey, uh, we're trying to figure this out. Smooth. <laughs> you know, it's just very, like, nonchalant. We're just trying to figure this out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Cannon says at the same time, you're the man we need to talk to. <laughs> And she's like, save me from this fucking buffoon, please. Like, she's so excited to see somebody else that might be able to rub, like, two brain cells together in the moment. Now, I am not downplaying the fact that public transportation in cities you're unfamiliar with is can be very intimidating. Like, we had this issue when we went to San Francisco and Whitney was like... I don't want to deal with it. Just get us where we're going. Because then I was like downloading apps and then I was like putting money on stuff. And yeah, so I I completely understand. But I feel like he does it in a way where it's... He won't read instructions. Exactly. There's a difference. Yep. Yep. And people are trying to help him and he's not mm-hmm. fucking doing it. That's the difference. It's yeah. not just that you're trying to figure it out for 20. And I will say when he walks up, he goes, how many do we need? I'm like, you didn't even know going in how many you fucking <laughs> needed. Like, you can't remember how many fucking kids you had. But anyways. Um, and I just got to say, I enjoyed this scene just way too much. Because <laughs> so the worker just approached and they're, you know, like the whole thing that I just laid out. And 
by the time that they say those things where he's just like, whoa, we're just trying to figure it out. And Cannon's like, we're what we need. By the time they say that to him and they kind of turn back around, tickets are printing. Yep. And Lego says, now it's printing them out. What's that? And Cannon says, Jessa did it for you, sweetie. All she did was give it the $27 it was asking for and it's happy now. Yeah. Jim Bob is like the is like the before black and white explanation in an infomercial. Yeah, where they're like, are you tired of blah, 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 you know. Yeah. And they're like completely inept. They yeah. can't open um, a like a bottle without spilling it everywhere. And it's all <laughs> yeah. in black and it's got a big red X over it. Yeah. That's that's Lego hair. Um, But yeah, like she's just like. Michelle seems fucking over it. And Cannon said... Or, or, um, Jess is really over it. Yeah. So she's annoyed as fuck. And it's just kind of funny because she she threw in a couple sweeties for good measure. <laughs> and she kept the high-pitched, like, sing-songy voice. But you feel the vibe underneath mm. it all. Like, she thinks he's a fucking annoying moron. Mm-hmm. You feel it. I felt it. My little Arthur used to call people buffoons. And I, it used to make me chuckle because it feels like buffoons. It's a good word. It's it is a good word. It feels so old timey. I feel like at this point fucking she's buffoon. like he's a fucking buffoon. he's a fucking buffoon. <laughs> and see, it's still funny. Yeah. So they managed to get on and off the metro without losing anyone, which I guess is truly a proof of God's miracles. <laughs> um. Lots they were of like prepping. buddies. Buddies, stick with your yeah, littles, so I don't have to watch them. <laughs> Lots of preparation explaining ahead of time what's about to happen. So they're just like, and then it's going to open and we have about this much time. Let people off. And then we so, and then we have this much time to get on. So lots of explanation, explanations, lots mm-hmm. of head counts. But I mean, first and foremost, thanks to Jessa. Yep. And then for getting um, them on. And then all the buddies for wrangling all the kids. So that's the real. Mm-hmm. No thanks to you, you fucking buffoon. <laughs> it's thank you, Jessa, for getting them tickets. And then thank yep. you, all older kids, for mm-hmm. wrangling your fucking siblings. Can I make two comments about this part before they get off the metro? Yeah. Um, one of them is we do have a bingo space. There is a hardcore ginger face when they're on the metro. Okay. And it's it's as they're kind of talking about like what you have to do like when you get on and when you get off there's a hardcore ginger face and then there was such a mixed message they were sending their children so lego hair was like all right it's gonna it's you know it's gonna ding and the doors are open on and and you're gonna have you're gonna have five seconds to get on or you're gonna get left behind and i'm like I get it with children that there's times where you need to kind of exaggerate because you need to make sure they understand like how serious this could be. But then at the same time of him saying, you have five seconds and you need to get on. And then when they're showing up, he's like, all right, their doors are going to open. Let's go. And then baby cannons in the back going, make sure you let people get off first. So he's telling them you need to run go, in there. Go, go, yeah. go. And she's need, like, wait. Yeah, you need to run in there or you're going to get left behind in a strange city. And she's like, we need to be polite. You know, so it's very mixed messaging for their for go, their children and their buddies. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> Things are confusing for these children. <laughs> oh, man. Unfortunately, they're probably used to it. They're like, I'll just pick one. Yeah. So. Um. So now this they're trip off. Is, yeah, so this trip is kind of 
funny because it's the first time because like he's, you, they're off the metro now, and it's funny because it's the first time we really get to see them being recognized out in public. Mm-hmm. They're walking, and a big group across the street yells like "Hello, Duggars!" Yeah. And I, I didn't mention it earlier, but they also get recognized getting on the escalator <laughs> yeah. by like a funny lady, and um. Like we mentioned at the Jefferson Memorial. So we're really seeing them really get noticed for the first time in a big way that I mm-hmm. can recall on the show. There might be yeah. little things here and there, but this is the time where you're like, oh, they're just like walking and people are like, oh my God. Yeah. So you can see that like season three, they're, you know, yeah, their stardom has shot up. Correct. And they're, and like you see. We're hitting a point that's a little bit of like a TV trope, especially in like these kinds of kind of shows where it's um, we're going to take this group and put them into safe but unfamiliar circumstances. And we're just going to watch. Yeah. Like it's the fish out of water kind of thing. And that's what this scene always reminded me of. Yeah. Because now they've finally arrived at their destination, which is an Ethiopian restaurant. Mm -hmm. So we get a Duggar's Dine Out. Duggar's Dine Out. Now, before we even get into it all, this whole scene makes me cringe. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, Like, I'm just sitting in my own house and I'm just like, oh my God, like Mm -hmm. watching it again. Even though I remembered it pretty well. (laughs) But I just want to get through walking us through the entire scene. I feel like we can kind of dissect it at the end. Mm-hmm. So um, a host of the restaurant is kind of helping them out. And Cannon says right away, the thing I'm not interested in, I noticed was the beef tongue. I don't do that. I don't do tongue. Which, I mean, I wouldn't do tongue either if I was married to Lego, let's be honest. I would be anti-tongue if that was my fucking husband. Let's be real. And then Lego says, we're not into tongue. (laughs) Because your wife is not interested, by the way. Um, TMI, too much ick. We're not into tongue. Um, which we know by their tight-lipped kisses, <laughs> but I'm also very thankful that they're tight-lipped. Even though it's a bingo thing, like, I am grateful it is tight yeah. and loud and, like, yeah. like you know, I'm... It's I'm, a good cartoon, yeah. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good with that. I'd rather have that than sloppy... <laughs> Nobody you know. needs that. I don't need the sound of saliva. We're good. <laughs> so the restaurant has people dancing in what I assume to be, you know, traditional dances Mm -hmm. and jed uh the oj the oj the oj Mm -hmm. um enjoy like they're making faces and it's really uncomfortable to watch but our girl johanna she stands up on her chair and she is totally into it and wanting to dance yes she is if she couldn't get any fucking better like she just (laughs) gets better and better like you know like literally every episode i'm like can we just love johanna more (laughs) does she know i hope when we're doing this that like somewhere she's just like oh i feel really great right now and i don't Mm -hmm. know does she know that she has a whole fucking fan club yeah she's our girl yep (laughs) then um it just gets worse because in their talking heads jason and james are Pretty much reenacting, like, I guess reenacting the dancing, mm-hmm. but it's in a very mocking way. Agree. It's bad. 
Yeah. Like, it's it's just so bad. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the dance, Johanna is clapping and having the time of her life. Like, she is so into it. Yep. Meanwhile, Anna claps and does what I can only describe as a side eye roll. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. It's not a back. It's not a top to bottom, like, back Mm -hmm. thing. But, like, she's clapping, but then she does, like, a side, like, Mm -hmm. like, kind of side eye roll. Then the people of the restaurant, they're burning incense, and there's a voiceover of Josiah saying, we used to cook ramen noodles. When we'd burn them, that's what it kind of smelled like. <laughs> so I, I'm like, burn dry noodle or burnt in the seasoning like in, the in the liquid? <laughs> that, that's my question. When he wants details, damn it. I need clarification, <laughs> Josiah, because those are two very different True. smells. And it takes True. a lot more effort to burn the latter. Agree. So, um, Michelle says that they're used to potpourri, so it was, uh, they're not used to incense and it was giving some of the kids a headache. So we see them putting their heads down on the table Mm. and like things like that. Jason says he was about to puke. Now their food is coming out and Josiah describes their bread as a soggy pancake, which I forget. Oh, I knew that the name for that, but I, I just forgot it. I knew it. Anyways, um, so Jessa says that she got the beef, which was, quote, pretty much regular beef, but some of the other things that the rest of the family got were gross looking. And then Jill said, I think the lamb and the beef were good and some of the vegetables, but I tried the chicken and kind of different. Like it was neat to try different stuff, but I'm glad I don't have to eat it all the time. Yeah. I feel like hers was in a very, like... The response that you would want as a she as was a bystander. trying to be diplomatic. Yeah, like she could have left. It, it wasn't if for she me. Had, if she left off the end part, where it's like I don't, I'm glad I don't have to eat it every day. It would have been perfect. Oh yeah, that Agreed. little ending part. You're like, yeah, you could have left that off. Mm-hmm. But like Jessa, compared to Jessa though, Jessa fucking disaster. <laughs> and then our girl Johanna, she proves herself to be the cultural queen of the group. And, uh, you know, first with the dancing and the clapping, and now in a talking head, they ask her if she likes e- Ethiopian food, and she just simply said, yes. Mm-hmm. And when they went on to ask what she liked about it, she said, uh, when we eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Our girl. So she's just like, yeah, I liked it. I liked mm-hmm. eating it. <laughs> so now let's actually get into this scene. So first of all, whose idea do you think it was to go to an Ethiopian restaurant? The TLC producers. Exactly. I'm definitely thinking production. Mm-hmm. Because even if the Duggars were wanting to try something different. It's too different. I just doubt they'd pick Ethiopian on their own. Mm-hmm. Not completely out of the realm of possibility. So I'm holding space for that. For that, it's, you know, being the case. But seems less likely than production picking it so that they could film a big reaction. Like you said. So... Like, Ethiopian Ethiopian food and culture might already be a big step outside the box for a lot of people here in America. Like, Mm -hmm. and then it just, it just gets taken to another level because here we're with people who eat chicken quesadillas (laughs) and like all things cream of day in and day out. (laughs) And so it's a bigger Um, leap for them. It's, 
Oh, it's really a big right. step. Mm-hmm. And then on the cultural side, these kids are told that dancing and music with the beat is bad. Mm-hmm. And then you take them to a restaurant where they're, that is the culture. That yeah. is it. That is a part of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, it's just, it's a recipe for disaster yeah. to start with. Mm-hmm. And then you take into account that kids say and do shit. Like, they're blunt. They mm-hmm. say exactly what they think. Yeah. And they don't really consider much beyond that. Like, I think back to a time with my sister that's just above me that's um, Tim's age. We didn't go to a lot of other people's houses. We went to my grandparents to eat every Sunday. But, like, we didn't go to, like, people outside the family very often. Mm -hmm. And I can remember a specific time that we got invited to a barbecue um, from someone from church. And I remember my sister eating something and then telling my mom, like, kind of loud, being like, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And my mom wanted to fucking throttle her in that moment, but she held it in. Yeah. And she was just like, well, just go, just just eat this or like whatever. And then when we got in the car, like it was fucking over. Like my mom was like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You don't do that. That's so rude. You just, don't, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever. So I think of stuff like that. Kids say shit. You know, it happens. They say it, you have a talk with them later, tell them like, you know, so right. that part, when you consider that, I don't really blame some of the younger kids in this situation. I really blame the adults. Mm-hmm. The adults who set this up, probably knowing the outcome. Mm-hmm. The adults who asked in the talking heads. Um, so like when it came to James and Jason, the way they were kind of mockingly reenacting the dancing, if it was just one of them, I could be more inclined to believe that they did it on their own like Mm -hmm. and then they dance like this or something like that but because it's both of them to me it feels like they were asked how did they dance or show us how they dance you know what i mean like it's just suspect Mm -hmm. so that's where i majorly have more beef with the adults in this situation where i'm like you knew where there was this going and you did it on purpose Mm mm-hmm and then just the older kids who should fucking know better. Anna and her fucking side eye roll. Your grown ass married woman, Anna. <laughs> fucking clap. And, you know, Pest did a better job than her. You know? <laughs> That's saying a lot. Like, yeah. fucking clap, smile, and shut the fuck up. And by <laughs> shut the fuck up, I mean with your eyes. <laughs> and then jessa calling all the food like gross looking i'm like mm. you're fucking 19 like no wait she's probably 17 i think yeah i think she's probably like 17 at the time and i didn't mention this earlier because i was gonna bring it up now but she's literally holding her nose in multiple scenes oh yeah did you see yeah. that it's so immature mm-hmm. uh, there's a close-up of her doing it and then you can see her doing it in the background and several other shots like you're 17 years old jessa it's like also does this girl seriously does this girl not know that there's another way to like you don't have to physically hold your nose like there's another way (laughs) to fucking like block out like just don't breathe through your nose you fucking idiot yeah like i say this as a person who's also sensitive to smells and i get headaches like, when I was in high school, all my friends wanted to go to, like, the mall candle stores and mm-hmm. the perfume stores. And it gave me a headache and I didn't want to smell it. But I didn't physically hold my nose like a fucking dingus. 
you just don't breathe through your nose. You're, are you an idiot? When he's hot right no, now. No, but it's like to literally hold your nose at 17 years old. Like, what are you? <laughs> it pisses me off. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I feel like that was the most ridiculous thing to me. Don't mm-hmm. hold. You're 17 years old. <laughs> Can you imagine being somewhere and then holding your nose in high school like that? You're a senior <laughs> in high school and you're like, let me just hold my nose. It's so smelly in here. <laughs> oh, man. I yeah, just, it was pretty Aunt, awful. Anna and Jessa, they know better by that age. So, yeah. fuck. Or they should. They should know better. There you go. I also remember going to, like, things that were going to take me out of my comfort zone. And I remember having my parents having very stern conversations with me going into it. Hey, here's what's going to happen. And there was a point in my life where I was very picky with what I ate, which is funny now. Um, but... That was one thing that I remember going to, you know, family members' houses or people that my dad worked with for, like, family things. And then just being like, if you don't find anything that you want to eat, come and find me and we will find something. But it was literally like, don't make a fucking don't scene. Make a scene exactly. if you don't see, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I just remember those, like, through the clenched teeth conversations of how to act in public. Or how to act in that environment. And this is just beyond, like, someone in your group. Like, you're you're insulting a fucking culture here on a national level. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I think that production was especially sleazy in this one. Because they definitely encouraged some of the mocking of all this. Mm -hmm. Like, I just think it's gross. I'm, I'm really, like, not a fan of this scene. And I just think of the poor restaurant possibly being super excited to find out that the restaurant is going to be on national tv right and then watching this and being like oh that wasn't that's okay like yeah. that's sad to me yeah like that that's that's who i keep thinking of is this mm-hmm. restaurant i'm like that fucking sucks yeah there was a whole other way that this could have gone you know some of the older people not being shitty like jess and anna mm-hmm. and then when the kids were doing kid shit editing it different like mm-hmm. just keeping it to like oh this was different or oh we tried right. this like i don't know the whole I thing think everything just... is the package makes it seem really mocking exactly i think if it was one of those things not... here and there where you're like okay the kids who don't believe in dancing are pantomiming them doing okay whatever but then it was just like it just kept getting going. worse yeah. you're just like this is just not letting up so yeah, yeah. it is it's the package deal where like ooh, this top to bottom was like bad look and i feel like this was also very evident of like quote-unquote reality tv at the time because this was kind of like the wild west where they were like we just need to compete for views you know what i mean yep but i will say let's just um give a hand to our girl johanna who (laughs) loved the entire experience so anna at four years old was more mature (laughs) than her 17 year old sister and what like her 20 i don't know whatever anna was 20 21 year old sister-in-law sister-in-law mm-hmm Good on you, Johanna. This is why we love you. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the end of the episode. Yeah. That fucking pissed me off. Like, I was honestly mad. It was uncomfortable to watch. But that poor restaurant. On a side note, there was an Ethiopian restaurant when I was in Tucson when I went to college, which we just 
um, got some correspondence from um, somebody I went to college with. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I was in marching band with. So um, on 4th Avenue in Tucson, Arizona, which is their like mill, that's where all their like bars are and a bunch of their restaurants are, um, just south of like... If there's any listeners in Tucson, just south of Hippie Gypsy, there used to be um, kind of a row of like some thrift stores on the east side uh, or the west side of the street. And there was a small Ethiopian restaurant and I ate there like two or three times and I loved it. You loved their soggy pancake. I love the, uh, what is it, Injetta? Is that what it is? Yes, yes, that's yeah. what it is, yes. Um, I, so, I'm not calling it so- Soggy Pancake. They called it Soggy Pancake. <laughs> Josiah called it Soggy Pancake. I just thought it was so good, and, like, it felt like a big tortilla, so I felt like I had a little bit of, like, oh, I'm like, oh, I understand this. Oh, got it. This is not only the bread, it is also the eating utensil, you know. Um, but, yeah, I loved it. So I was excited at first for them to go to this place, and then I was kind of horrified at their reaction to it. So Yeah. It's just, it's a gross scene. Yep. Top to bottom. Yep. Ethiopian food is delicious, by the way. Give it a try. All right. That's it for the episode for me. You good? That's it. I have something I want to add to the very, very end, um, but we'll come back to it. All right. Cool. We'll see you in a bit. Even in the break, I could not... I was still railing about Jessa yeah, holding her fucking nose. Mm-hmm. I couldn't let it go. And apparently neither could Jessa, but it's still... <laughs> Figure it out. I was still out. talking about it. I was like peeing with the door open. I'm like, and then she held her nose. Like, I'm all mad. Like, kept going. I told Whitney the letter Kenny reference wherever they're saying somebody's acting ridiculous. And they always go, figure it out. <laughs> Like, that was the energy that she had when she was like, God. And then, you know, what she did was she plugged her nose with her two fingers, like, figure it out. <laughs> so ridiculous. So, shout out to my Letter Kenny co like friends over here. A couple people commented on my reference last week of uh, referencing the Duggars as uh, DJs from upcountry. So, if there's any other Letter Kenny lovers, uh, shout us out. We love you. Figure it out. Figure it out. <laughs> Okay, so in the wind down of last week's episode, I talked a little about just how it hit me, the sort of gravity of the situation of how badly the children are being taught, Mm. even though it wasn't an episode about their actual curriculum, it Mm -hmm. it just kind of hit me how misinformed or uninformed they are on such a larger level Yeah, on literally everything because their life is taught through this skewed lens. Mm Mm-hmm. So on that note, and also keeping with the beginning of the episode today where they were continuing their tour with David Barton, we're going to dig into the, to what Bill Gothard and IBLP teaches about government. Oof. So last week we just like covered like David Barton, Founding Fathers, mm-hmm. and now we're actually going to go Duggar IBLP teachings. Correct. So first I'm going to start by covering Bill Gothard's mention of government in the seminar textbooks. Which, to be honest, is very minimal. This is not a topic that he covers as its own section or focus. In fact, I could not find a single document or pamphlet or anything of that nature that entirely covered his views on government in, like, one thing. Okay. 
It's just sort of weaved through various other topics and texts in small amounts, sometimes just a sentence or two at a time. So you really have to dig to find the little pieces and then pull them all together to get this like bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the basic seminar. The only mention of government in the basic seminar is through the teaching of authority, which we discussed back in episode 26. The bulk of that dig was on the umbrella of authority, so more of a focus on the family structure. But I did briefly mention the other structures of authority that Bill Gothard lays out to include church, employers, and of course, the government. Mm -hmm. That hierarchy is pretty simple in what you'd expect. National leaders at the top, then local officials in the middle, with the citizens down at the bottom. In an illustration of God's chain of responsibility, so like it has God at the top, and then God's word in the middle, but then there's an arrow pointing off to the side from God's word that reads human authorities with family, church, business, and government in parentheses. Mm -hmm. And then at the bottom of all of this in the center is all those who are under authority. So that might be hard to visualize with me explaining, but basically with human authority being an offshoot of God's word, it's basically saying that all authority systems are to be of God's word without explicitly saying it. Yeah, they should be is the message they're yeah, sending. So yeah, so it's like this, it's a side offshoot. It's mm-hmm. part of God's word and then still over yeah. people under authority. There's really no mention of government in the advanced seminar book and scouring both volumes of the men's manual. The only mention of government is under a section titled, How Can I Understand What Is Really Happening in This Complex World? (laughs) And that section has a little quiz area with true or false questions. And one of the questions is, a strong nation is built on strong local communities. True or false? The answer is false. And that quote, a strong nation is built on strong families. When the community, in parentheses, by the way, when the community is emphasized rather than the family, the social problems that develop are beyond the power of a democracy to solve. The democracy must become a dictatorship. Families then lose their freedom to worship God because the dictator becomes the new God. Which is very, like... Dramatic. (laughs) Exactly. That's the word. Everything in this group is dramatic. So dramatic. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, if we we focus on communities, all you know, dictatorship. (laughs) Yeah. And the sad part is that all of it comes out of, like, we don't want to have any of our dirty laundry aired. The more you have community, the more you can potentially talk about this fucked up shit that's happening over here. You know what I mean? Or the more you can be drawn in by other outsiders. Right. There's such like a, we just got to keep it to our family. You Mm got to keep it close. I thought they put that really well in Shiny Happy People where they were like, Bill Gothard was trying to turn every head of household into their own cult leader. Yes. You know. Um, And that's kind of it for the major texts of IBLP. So I had to keep looking. Which leads us to the ATI wisdom booklets. Now, does the do the ATI wisdom booklets have like 
activities to explore what you've learned, like it sounds like the men's manuals have. Don't get me wrong. From school, I appreciate a good workbook (laughs) that has like, you just learned about government. Answer this multiple times. You know, honestly, the men's manual had more like interactive things to be quite honest. Was there crosswords? Um, which is a play <laughs> no, because it's a religious do, it's no. a religious thing, so it's a, a crossword puzzle. Murp, murp, murp. Mm-hmm. That's pretty funny. It's like Thank my you. friend, the one that wanted was worried about me being saved and like mm. whatever. I remember on Friday mornings she would go to cross trainers. Um anyways. So everything I'm about to cover is straight out of the wisdom booklets for this next section. So is that a yes or a no oh. on... Uh, it's not as interactive, to be quite honest. The men's manual has a lot more. You know what I'd imagined in my head, too, was like the thing where they have like um, a big knot of like string lines that you have to follow in the middle and see which one it came out at the top. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. And you got to try to find the, the knot through the center. Yeah, where it's like... like- Jim, which which knot should Jim Bob follow if he wants to make it to the phone belt clip store? And it's you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, so for going through all of this in the wisdom booklets, I skimmed the law section of all fifty-four booklets <sighs> to Man. attempt to extract the mentions of government that were applicable and not about salt. The eyes or porn. Because, <laughs> yes, those were all topics under the oh, law sections. Oh, my God. So I went through all of them and I skimmed and then I was like, okay, what what, what do we have here? So I'm not going to go, when I'm presenting the information, I'm not going in order of the booklets because, like I mentioned earlier, everything is done in these very small snippets. Nothing ever feels like it's covered in a very full way all at once. So instead, I opted to take notes on all the things that I came across that I felt like felt were noteworthy, okay. and then combine them together by topic. Other, because I feel like otherwise it has less impact. Oh yeah, we'll kind of yeah. get to. But um, if I haven't said it already, the way that these wisdom booklets—I think I talked about it in the actual like curriculum episode. Mm-hmm. But dear God, the way that these wisdom booklets are set up to teach are just awful. <laughs> Putting the actual context, like content aside, just the layout and setup is atrocious. Okay. There's no way a child could learn anything in a complete way because it's all so broke up, like broken up into these tiny little segmented things over the course of years worth of booklets because we're dying of of not surprise (laughs) right now so what i'm doing is taking things on the same topic and combining them all together but there's no way you can tell me that these kids remember two sentences set in a booklet 15 back about the same topic to be able to put that all together for like a deeper understanding a lot of pre-law to get through you know and um just a reminder that the reason for that is because each booklet is based on a passage from matthew so they're just forcibly mashing a bunch of random shit together that they can try to make fit the theme of that scripture passage and then of course bill gothard is against teaching things by topic too 
So instead of just being taught American history or government as its own topic, it's just these tiny little crumbs here and there that somehow you're supposed to be able to... Like, I just don't see how you're supposed to retain or put, like, themes or have an understanding of things that are just tiny little snippets over the course of fucking years. Like, you can't. But, I mean, they don't care about that, so. Of course not. So, now that I've railed about these bullshit booklets, let's get into it for real. So, Bill Gothard is no dummy, and he knows that the earlier you can set the stage for the argument of U.S. being a Christian nation, the better. Of course. So, he starts with the Mayflower, first citing how the Mayflower compact and... um making a point to bold every reference to God in it from solemnly and mutually in ye presence of God to having ye undertaken for ye glory of God and advancement of Christian faith in ye name of God. Amen. So he, he lays out this whole thing and he literally bolded all of those. Anytime like you said, like God, he's like, let me bold this. (laughs) I feel like we're just short of Bill Gothard, like, holding up a print copy of it and, like, frantically tapping on to make sure you see it every time that, like, God is mentioned. The bold lettering is as close as he, as he could get in, like, a wisdom booklet, you know? Right. So. Well, yeah. But he calls the Mayflower Compact the cornerstone of our Christian governmental heritage. When he talks about them establishing their government on morality and religion, he also bolds a point that he makes. So, I mean, so you know it's important. Which is, quote, whatever makes men good Christians makes them good citizens. Which at first, I guess maybe you can take as Christianity helps you be a good citizen. Which, okay, that's that's fine. Any belief system can potentially be an aid in good citizenship, you know, citizenship, I guess, you know, or whatever. So at first I'm like, okay, but I think the true nature of that statement is illustrated when in another booklet it says, quote, Christians are the conscience of a nation. If the conscience is defiled, the forces of evil will triumph. Mm. So it's not that religion itself creates good citizens it's that his religion creates good citizens the conscience of a nation is entirely contingent on christians Mm -hmm. nobody else is a you know has conscience or morals uh you know but christians apparently Mm -hmm. so yeah that's where we're at moving along from the mayflower and into the days of the founding fathers um when he talks about the framers Right in the Constitution, he says they, quote, constructed document, a document firmly anchored to the absolutes of God's law to govern our young republic. They strongly believed that God's law must be the basis of all human law. To illustrate this idea, he gives a quote from James Madison, saying, We have staked the whole future of American civilization, not upon the power of government, far from it. We have staked the future of all of our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government, 
upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. Does that quote happen to sound familiar to you, Tim? Hey, we heard it last week. That is part of Barton's Bunk. <laughs> Barton's Bunk. We uh, That quote mm-hmm. that was, by all historians, nobody can find anywhere. Yep. We will touch more on this later. <laughs> so remember, he just got done saying that the Constitution was firmly mm-hmm. anchored to the absolutes of God's law. In another booklet, he describes the Constitution as, quote, the document which gave birth to a nation anchored to the rock of biblical truth and morality. Okay. Can they even say the word rock? I think that wasn't allowed. <laughs> you know, it's like it's funny. Um, uh, rock morality. Rock. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, is that allowed? So way down the road in another booklet, He does finally acknowledge the fact that the Constitution has zero mention of God or the Bible. Mm -hmm. So how does he explain that away? I'm ready. Well, he says that they didn't have to say it because during during that time period, it was just a given. Oh, my God. (laughs) And yes, he really does say the word given. Like, I'm not just like making up a word. He says it's given. Uh, it's just a given you guys they didn't actually have to say it i mean we know what they meant (laughs) it's fucking ridiculous oh man so now do you see what i mean about how they never discuss a topic top to bottom all at once yeah it's like of course he didn't mention there being no reference to god or the bible in the same booklet that he was saying god was firmly anchored in that exact same document Instead, he puts them literal years apart in terms of wisdom booklet pacing. Because mm-hmm. you know how he said it's like they do like one a yeah. month. So when he put the pacing into account, it's literally years apart from each other. Right. So there's little chance of these kids connecting any dots or possibly questioning anything. And, and that's not to say that these kids would suddenly question God or even the mm-hmm. idea of the U.S. being a Christian nation or on the extreme end suddenly becoming liberal it's like all of that aside it's just maybe just that for maybe a fleeting second they might be like oh it doesn't mention god that's Mm -hmm. funny yeah and they said it was all anchored in god you know yeah but they can't risk it no so this is where it's like you separate these facts Mm -hmm. because you won't connections can't be made if they're fucking years apart from each other well like the whole staying away from topic things isn't is important because i think any extremism in any topic the biggest the biggest like antagonist to any sort of extremism is questioning oh absolutely because if you have to start logically answering questions about what those views are it's going to it's going to logically lead to somebody going, well, do you see why this isn't connecting? So if you separate those things out, it completely destroys any chance of somebody going, well, wait, the 
the U.S. Constitution doesn't have this verbiage or doesn't have these, you know what I mean? Like, I think back to when I was a kid, and I kind of um, based ages off of if, when, whether I was- What grade like, you were in? Lived in my old house or new house. No, that's funny. <laughs> so yeah. this was, we moved into my new house, the house in Peoria when I was nine. So I'm like, before that, and then I can go, oh, I was probably seven at the time. Like, I can think back to a time, old house, and I think I was about <laughs> seven. I remember, like, saying to my dad, and I didn't have the verbiage correct, mm-hmm. but the idea- you know, I remember saying to my dad, well, you know, at church, they tell us that we're the rightful. I kept saying rightful. I, ver- I vividly remember it. Mm-hmm. At church, we talk about how we're the rightful church. And then, you know, I know that this other church says that they're the rightful church. So funny that that was my word. And I was like, but I was trying to ask him, we say that we're it. And then they say that they're it. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to ask him, like, explain to me at seven years old. Why are we the right one? Why are we it? Or I'm sorry, the rightful The one. rightful church. Mm-hmm. And I, he got fucking pissed. He got mad. Mm-hmm. He got so mad. And he, like, I remember he was, like, literally sputtering. He was like, <laughs> like, it was just, like, right. a sputtering of nonsense. Mm-hmm. And he was so mad that I was even asking a question. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it just goes back to, even at a very young age, I was just like, huh. well, what makes you so much better? Like, right. <laughs> like I... When I say that from a, like, I kind of had questions from, like, early on. I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel like I can really say that. Like, I never just kind of totally went along to go along. Like, right. from the beginning, I was just like, well, mo- what makes you think you're better than them? Right. Like, our friends down the street were Catholic. And it's like, what are you saying? What makes you think that you're, you're it and they're not? Like, yeah. I just didn't understand. And I was literally trying to ask my father. Mm-hmm. And it was like, how can you even ask such a thing? Right. Like, it was yeah. like preposterous. Like, he mm-hmm. could not believe I was asking it. Yeah. I got on a side tangent. I'm sorry. There's, and, and it seems like throughout your youth and adolescence, you had that a lot where you were asking. You were asking questions because you were curious. That's not allowed. And it <laughs> fucking, like, he was does not compute does yeah. not compute like he was totally like malfunctioning yeah because he didn't because your your father did not have the the knowledge or the the i, I think the emotional maturity to be able to talk to that at all yeah because it was literally just like how could you ask that and to this day like i, I I in my head for certain things I say rightful to myself and I kind of like laugh <laughs> because it's it's almost this like marked thing in my life where I'm yeah. just like that was the time that I was just like who the fuck do you think you are and explain it to me and right. you can't explain it like mm-hmm. he was just like no this is just how it is and I'm like no but like explain to me and he was yeah. just like no this is how <laughs> it is and I was like the fuck is that about yeah because then it leads to other things where it's like if you guys had friends that lived down the street that were Catholic, in public, to their faces, you were like, you're our friends, we like you. But then your father's mindset was they're secretly not the chosen people and they're damned to go, you know, whatever it is. Like... They're... But- at the end of the day, whether you think that it's this big damning thing or not, it was mm-hmm. like we're doing it right, you're doing it wrong. Right. And it's like how do you how do you con- how do you like consolidate both of those thoughts, you know what I mean? Yep. 
Anyways. So now let's talk about Thomas Jefferson. The booklets only briefly touch on Jefferson and his deistic beliefs, with the single line, including Benjamin Franklin, that says they both claimed to be deists. Okay. This is immediately followed up by a super long section about deism and other philosophies being the cause of the French Revolution. Okay. How a nation pulled away from God. So it felt like a way to bring it up and make it sound like scary, you know, of course. but like far away at the same time, mm-hmm. not just in time, but in a whole different country. Mm-hmm. So there's this like scary threat of deism <laughs> and other philosophies, but like not here, not like in America, like, like, because then just, you don't have contact. Yeah. Let me just like gloss over, you know, um, the fact that, you know, Deism was actually very prevalent, actually, at the time of the Founding Fathers. Let me yeah. gloss over that. Make it about France. Mm. It's not as big as a threat. It's scary enough to be a scary to thing. To keep you in line. But, like, not here. Yeah. It's going to keep you It's gonna keep you obedient, but not enough to terrify you where it'll, like, change your life. Exactly. Mm-hmm. In another booklet, he says of Jefferson, quote, although he did not even profess to be a Christian, and that that's it. You could you could tell that he didn't really want to go there. <laughs> he didn't go into detail really about any founding fathers that wasn't something that he could kind of talk about as like entirely Christian. Mm-hmm. So it's very much like that little tiny touch on it was like, oh, well, I'm giving the truth and then I'm running away type thing, <laughs> you know. He does, however, often paint Thomas Jefferson in a more bad light compared to some of the other founding fathers, though. He loves to contrast Jefferson to John Adams because, if you remember, John Adams is kind of like their boy. He was the more exemplary Christian. Mm, More so so than TJ over here. So they (laughs) they talk him up as much as possible. In comparing the two, he makes a point to say that John Adams lived a happy and untroubled life, oh. while Thomas Jefferson's life was characterized by personal tragedy. Oh, it must have been he wasn't Christian enough. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if you about you, but I'm feeling strong undercurrents <laughs> of like, look how good life can be when you're yeah. a good Christian, <laughs> and look at this heathen with his sad ass life. Of course. It's like, all the while never really saying why they're bringing this up. Mm-hmm. It feels sort of randomly inserted in text, to be honest, and like not super relevant. Okay. But he wants to make sure you feel it. Of course. Not necessarily understand it, but you know, that's not important. <laughs> Remember, understanding is not something they <laughs> expect out of the people that are reading these books. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's not what they need. We need we need obedience. We don't need Mm-hmm. Don't don't be like TJ over here. <laughs> you you want to um have a life riddled with personal tragedy? Be like TJ. Yeah. You want to be um happy and untroubled? John Adams. John Adams. That uh, good Christian man. Yeah, I'm a bigger Sam Adams fan myself. <laughs> There's a lot more beer on that side. They seem a lot more fun to be around. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
So he also compares them saying, Mr. Jefferson possessed a consuming faith in the goodness and perfectibility of man. Meanwhile, whereas um, Mr. Adams, affirming this scriptural view of human nature, understood man as being inherently selfish and evil. <laughs> That's just another thing I don't buy into at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I don't believe that. Like, call me a fucking deist. You're a deist. Thank you. Yep. Um, I just don't buy that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I don't. Like, that bothers the fuck out of me. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, we're all just evil and selfish. Mm-hmm hate that can i interject with one personal thing yeah i think um that was something that i struggled with being growing up like mexican catholic is the idea of like the guilt the guilt it's that idea of like you are an awful person and you need to atone for your sins and i will never ever forget going to uh confession when i was a kid like around the time where like my age group was starting to do that thing. And I remember, God, this is so weird to think about. I remember sitting in the little confessional booth and it was with Father Bob. Father Bob was an old kind of curmudgeonly like old white man. But he Father was, Bob, if you're listening, you're not. Um, sadly, he passed away when I was in college. So and he I might actually, be listening. <laughs> it's real good. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, FB. Um, No, Father Bob was awesome because he was curmudgeonly, but he had like a heart of gold. You know what I mean? So um, I actually loved him and um, the other priest that we had at our church. But I remember sitting in that confessional and it was Father Bob. And I remember him being like, you know, like, tell me about the sins that you're going to confess. And I remember being like, I don't fucking have anything. I don't feel like I did anything really bad. You know what I mean? And I remember having to like think about what I had done. Like I was searching. You're like scraping for something that made you a piece of shit. <laughs> right. And this is me as like, what, a like 11 year old boy. And I'm like, okay, what did I do in my life that was so awful? I was a chubby Mexican kid that was a nerd that played video games. What the fuck did I do that was so awful? The answer is nothing. You know, and it's like, I had but to say But you gotta that, come up some, with something for church. Right. So I, th- I remember coming up with, like, I remember me and, like, my parents had gotten in an argument and, like, using that as a thing. But it's like, I was, like you said, I was scraping the bottom of the barrel of being like, what have I done that's so shitty? And the joke that I used to make to myself was I was like, my mom yelled at me about leaving some, about leaving a, pl- a dirty plate in my room. Whew, I got to let Father Bob know about that one. That's, uh, you know, when she came in and got mad that I took my, I brought my basketball shoes in the house and didn't leave them in the garage. I got to, you know what, let me write that down because me and FB are going to rap about that later. Like, yeah. You're like, oh, good, I have something this week. (laughs) (laughs) But that, no, like, really is how it makes you feel sometimes. Like, I I, I keep referencing, like, my friend who was just like, you know, they were like, no, what what do you need to do? And she's like, oh, I'm trying to come up with something. It's the same idea of what you're talking about, where it's like, 
you're made to feel like, well, no, you're a fucking filthy sinner. Yeah. Spill it, it already. And if you're not spilling it, you're like not being honest with of everybody. Course. But it's like, no, I really don't think I'm a fucking piece of garbage. Yeah. It's insanity. I can't stand that. I'm a delight. Damn hey, it. Damn it. <laughs> fucking delight. Damn it, FB. I'm a fucking delight. I'm a fucking delight. All right. Okay, where am I at? Okay, um, so back on Thomas Jefferson. Um, then he just sort of ends, uh, I'm talking about the comparison, just to mm-hmm. recap yeah. how he's always comparing him to, you know, the exemplary John Adams. Sure. He sort of ends this section talking about Jefferson's radical thoughts on democracy and how John Adams didn't approve of it and it affected their friendship. Oh, okay. We'll kind of talk about democracy going forward. Well, you'll kind of get an idea. But I think it's safe to also say that there is another elephant in the room as to why Bill Gothard is not a fan of Thomas Jefferson. Okay. The phrase separation of church and state. (gasps) Exactly. (laughs) Is sort of paraphrasing an idea expressed by Jefferson in a letter to the Danbury Baptist Association. Damn. And we know these Barry. people are not a fan of the idea of separation of church and state. No. <laughs> they do they are not fans of the band offspring. No. They do not want to keep them separated. No, no, no. Gotta okay. keep them separated. <laughs> no, not okay. <laughs> in fact, in a wisdom booklet, he said, quote, the principle of separation of church and state is so dogmatically even fanatically applied that religious believers are in effect ex- are in effect excluded from full rights of citizenship. Wow. That is a fucking wild ass take, my man. Wow. I can't even begin to wrap my head around that one. Now think about how we've talked about in the past where people always want to assume that they are persecuted. Ding, 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 exactly. right here. It's a type. Yeah. And he's one of them. If if you want to separate church and states, it means I'm being oppressed. Dogmatically and fanatically excluded from full rights of citizenship. Damn. Um, now I want to get into how he absolutely rails against democracy. So while I haven't been giving the wisdom booklet numbers for every quote or fact, and I say fact with air quotes right now, that um, he gives like up to this point, because it, I mean, it would be insane. I do actually want to point out that the next things I'm about to say come from wisdom booklet two. Now, this is purely speculation on my end, but I can't help but feel that this you know, like his Bill Gothard's feelings of being against democracy were important enough to him that he wanted to lay that foundation early on in the curriculum. Total speculation. So do with it what you want. But this next stuff comes from Wisdom Booklet 2. Okay. He says, quote, wise government must be based on God's law, not the will of the majority. Then under a section that's called false philosophies um in the booklet it says basic deception colon that power comes from beneath not above 
which takes us back to those illustrations that we discussed earlier. The power always comes from above. So even in the one I described with the government being an offshoot of God's word, Mm -hmm. it was still above the people under authority. So the idea of a democracy to them is starting from the bottom and going up, which is not allowed. Of course. So he originally set the foundation early on in the curriculum, but it's not until booklet 49 that he goes into this more in depth. He says that Americans really like to emphasize that our government is of the people, by the people, and for the people. But that modern thinking has severed it from biblical roots. And that, quote, to assert that the nation or its citizens are a government's ultimate source of power contradicts scripture, which teaches that all power or authority comes from above. He says a legislative representative is supposed to be not only a representative of the people, but also a representative of God, and that the democracy of today has destroyed that balance because of the concern for majority rule and minority rights. And I just want to point out that this point is really driven home because just a couple of paragraphs later, he says, quote, democracies get out of balance promoting the rights of people. Wow. So it's really all the people wanting rights that are destroying America. God according to Bill Gothard. But it was okay just a few paragraphs earlier to say that the separation of church and state excludes the rights of full citizenship of religious believers. (laughs) So when religious believers want rights, it's okay. Yeah. But when everyone else is wanting rights, it's throwing off the balance, you know, Mm -hmm. completely just throwing everything off. Wow. Insane, right? Wow. Wow. We used, in the words of Bo Burnham, we used to have all the money and land. We still do, but it's just not as fun now. Yes. <laughs> like, when all these people want rights now. Yeah, you know, wow. like them throwing everything off. <laughs> but, you know, they were so, like, persecuted, you know, they're just like, they can't even get their rights. And they're just like, oh, now yeah. all these people wanting their rights, throwing everything off. Yeah. Uh. Um, what he really wants is for the U.S. to be a true republic. He thinks that this is more biblical. The people govern themselves through their elected and rep- their elected um, representatives with the understanding that they are ultimately accountable to God. You know, like one nation under God style. That way people don't get to make all the decisions, but they have a choice as to who their representative will be. Which I feel like this whole idea is still majorly glossing over one key point. Okay. Even in this dream republic he wants, in which he acknowledges would include elected officials, why is it that in this case, the people at the bottom of the chain of authority electing their representative is not considered power coming from beneath and not above? Because that doesn't fit his narrative. He, he doesn't address how it's different. <laughs> because it isn't. <laughs> is it when it's only one thing? You know? It's like, yeah. well, they're only voting on this one. Th- is that what it is? Or right. um, 
Is this like another one of those things that's like just a given? Because <laughs> to me, it just sounds like a big old like, because I said so. Yeah, that's how it feels. Yep. And I I can't remember exactly what dig I was doing where I kept saying like over and over. It's not so much what they say, but the lack of what they say. What mm-hmm. was that? I don't remember what it was. I don't remember. But I remember saying that over and over. This is kind of one of those. I'm like the lack of like clarification of mm-hmm. how like to me is saying even more mm-hmm. you rail against these things and then later when you bring up the same thing you don't address yeah how it's different or why it's okay yeah that says it all to me and and sorry this is just because i've been listening to the content this is not in the what what who's reading this like who are the people that are reading this wisdom booklets children yeah. okay and so, then their parents teaching it like the of mom. course so I think that's like we talk on this pod a lot about like confirmation bias. And I think if you're stuck reading this material and you've read a lot of this material, a lot, can you attest to how mind numbingly boring this rhetoric is? Very. So if you're somebody who's having to teach this to your kids and your kids are having to consume this like dribble. What is going to happen? Are you going to question anything? No. You're just trying because to fucking get through it. There it is. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for feeling out what I was saying. Like, yeah. that is perfect. Yeah. You're just trying to fucking get. Th- you know what? My seven daughters got to get dinner on the table in like the next hour. Like, can we just fucking. Can we, they have can eight we, cans can we move of, it of here? mushroom to open. We got to get moving. <laughs> Oi. So jumping right into our next topic, he says, quote, the infiltration of secular humanism into our legal system has brought a darkness that will only grow deeper if the present trends continue. There it is. So what is this darkness? This one's going to be a good one. Well, he says, quote, darkness comes as freedom of religion is distorted to mean freedom from religion. I was just going to say that. Okay, go on. Which even that is funny because they don't really mean freedom of religion at all. Of course. They mean freedom to choose from one of these handful of Christian sects that we say are okay. (laughs) Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it really means. I mean, it's a fucking joke. What they mean is freedom of select approved flavors of Christianity. (laughs) That's that's what they actually mean. Uh, um, I think this idea is made clear when he discusses pluralistic societies. He says that theoretically, a pluralistic society is one which tolerates all religions and beliefs. I mean, there, that's your first that's your first problem, right? <laughs> you know, right there. Tolerism of other people's beliefs. I mean, disgust. TMI. Too much ick. Too much ick. That's your problem right there. Yeah. So recapping, a pluralistic society is a society that tolerates all religions and beliefs, but subscribes to no particular one. I'm so disgusted right now. I know, right? (laughs) He says in practice, so it's like, you know, that's the theory, but he says in practice, a pluralistic society is unstable. Okay. Because, you know, you can't possibly have a stable society built upon the idea of us tolerating our differences. 
Right. I mean, you can't possibly be like a productive, good person if you don't subscribe to the same beliefs as him. Exactly. It's just not possible. We can't, Mm -hmm. you know, we can't tolerate our differences. You can't just not be these four flavors of Christian. It's just not possible. It's not possible. You know, it's a good theory, but it's just unstable. Well, yeah. What's next? Wearing shorts? The reason he says that this isn't possible is because all societies must be controlled by laws founded on a religion. And because in pluralism, um, there's not like one. Like guiding set yeah, of Yeah, there's principles. not one set, set of laws based on one religion. Instead of like be a good person and don't be shitty and don't do these things that are bad. It has to be specific to a specific, right. it has you know. to be a specific flavor. Yeah. Yeah. So he says that because of this, there will be constant turmoil as religions compete for control. Okay. I mean, this, <laughs> it hits a little too close to home right now, doesn't it? Yeah. Just a little no, bit. No kidding. Because we currently do see the fight for control today, but the difference I see is I see them as the problem and not the idea that we that we can't co like you know we can't coexist with different right. belief systems. Like I don't buy that that's impossible. Correct. I think that they just want the control and this is the way to justify that. Mm-hmm. If they say it's impossible, then it's okay that the you know that the system doesn't work. It's not that they're trying to force their beliefs on everyone and be the one in control, but it's just like, no, 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 it's not about that. It's about, like... This just won't th- work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I'm like, ooh, like, like reading that line, you know, it's not often I read a wisdom booklet and I go, oh, that's true. <laughs> but to read... um, So there will be constant turmoil as religions compete for control. I read that and went, ooh... <laughs> It's a little close right now. Yeah. But also, in the interjection real quick, I think I had this conversation with Whitney about um, a supervisor at my last place that I worked at. If if, If your actions are motivated by things that you believe, it's very hard for those people to look at somebody else and go... Your guiding principles are not my guiding principles. So the exa- I'll give you the real quick version. The real quick version is one of the other supervisors in this department took the time to reorganize an area where we stored some goods that we used for for working in the restaurant. It was like our paper goods area. And she took the time because it was a disaster and it was, you know, we had a lot of hands in there and there was no no organization. So we had time. The supervisor took the time to reorganize things, take things out of boxes, label some shelves, get everything squared away. She walked into her shift the next afternoon. The other person. That's correct. And the morning supervisor had redone her work, but done it in a way where it's like you wasted your own time and the example i'll give you is like we had like to-go silverware so we had like fork spoon knife of to-go stuff they were they were like plant-based like fiber and she had a really big box 
So it's like in one, and it was divided in half. So it's like in half of the box, she put the forks all stacked up and organized nice. In the other half, she put the spoons. And then in a separate box, she put the knives. And she labeled them. She wrote on the side with the big Sharpie and was like, cool. Now they know that if they need to, if the employees need to refill the forks, they can just come here and grab out of this box. The morning supervisor took everything out of those boxes and just reorganized where they went. So she took this double box where this half had forks and put it in the standalone box and then put this and just moved things down and like crossed out like the labels that the other supervisor had made and made Which more has work. I mean, that has a thing behind it. If you're going to cross out other people's shit, that already says something. Right. Like you are taking so much time and energy and yeah. Right. Where if you were looking at it and you're like, hey, this is going to be productive. This is a great idea. Let's build off of this. And it came out later on that she had told one of the line levels, the morning one, had told one of the line levels, well, I don't know why she reorganized all that stuff just to make me look bad. You idiot. She wasn't trying to make you look bad. She was trying to organize it so it was easier for everybody. But this woman could not understand a reason. What motivates somebody else. Mm -hmm. Because it's not what what would motivate her. There it is. Yes. And that is so much of what I see here. Yeah. Well, if we just allow, if we allow everybody this freedom, it's just going to be chaos. Well, no, there, there exists some people that would be able to work within this paradigm and not just hate everybody else it's again the not being able to see five fucking inches in front of your face to understand Mm. that there are some that people can operate slightly different than you or entirely different than you and it doesn't mean that it's not okay that it's not possible to be productive that it's you know it's just like Mm -hmm. everybody has to operate like you you assume everybody either does or has to operate like you yep oh man ever since we talked about that in that dig it's been coming up in my life over and over and over again yep sorry I gotta find one. that's my that was my soapbox i will get off my uh disposable uh eating wear soapbox so in this whole talk of how a pluralistic society wouldn't work because you know it'd be unstable with everybody having their different um beliefs So not only is he still promoting Christianity underneath this whole point as the one that should win control, because he talks about competing for control, right? Yeah. So clearly he's saying that Christianity should win the control, but he's literally teaching that you cannot tolerate other religions. It's Mm -hmm. not possible. You can only have one. Right. So like that's literally what you're teaching right now by Mm -hmm. saying this. He even said, quote, Complacent Christians are losing important social, moral, and political battles because they are fooled by the deceptions of democratic pluralism. So that quote has a combination of two things that he despises. (laughs) Tolerance of other beliefs and having a say in our government. (laughs) Oh, So actually this whole thing was kind of a major sidebar and then we had sidebars within the sidebars. Yep. But now we're back to talking about darkness again, right? So, like, the darkness in uh, secular humanism infiltrating government, okay? So, back on darkness. At one point, he even says that darkness deepens as, quote, rights are allowed to overshadow responsibility. 
that line headed off a section that was about stories, such as how Miranda rights came about and some others where certain processes weren't done properly, so sentences were overturned. Mm. Things like that. So Miranda rights for any listeners that are outside of the country or just people that aren't you know, super familiar with it, um, it stemmed from, um, it's pretty much like you have a right to not self-incriminate um, so when you are getting arrested, the police have to tell you a series of things to let you know that you have these rights. Correct. So the very, very quick version is that um, you have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney present. Um, if you cannot provide an attorney, an attorney will be appointed for you. Um, the arresting officer needs to ad- address those things as they are arresting you. Just so you are aware of what your rights are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just want to take this idea and direct this back to the Duggars specifically for a moment. Not even specifically on Miranda rights, but just on a larger scale. Just the idea of there being a system in place for people who have been arrested, charged, or even convicted of just like having, still having rights. Mm -hmm. Despite all of those things. Yeah. Having those rights, like talking to Jim Bob right now. Having those rights is what gave your son due process through the court system Mm -hmm. and the ability to, you know, attempt to file an appeal and like all those different things. Mm -hmm. So it's even more gross to me because the word rights is in quotations several times during all this. Like it's not a real thing. Mm -hmm. Kind of the way I say facts with air quotes around (laughs) it, referring to all these things. He says rights. With air quotes. Again, yeah. like it's not a real thing. So I just wanted to point out the irony that rights are seen as a darkness and that they sh- overshadow responsibility. Meanwhile, like let's just look at Josh Duggar and the rights, even though he was found guilty, but like the rights he was afforded. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just, did they not want him to have those rights? Right. Is that overshadowing yeah. responsibility? It's just funny to me. Any hoozle. So back to secular humanism. Um, infiltrating and bringing darkness. Ooh. He also said that the light in the Supreme Court had turned to darkness. But really gets into that more in another booklet where he says humanism has infected or um, affected interpretation of the law. Okay. He talks about how common law is based on precedent and that basically, you know, for a long time it, ha- it had it all been fine because it was, quote, universally understood that the principles underlying the precedents were those of God's word. So, again, we're hit with another, like, you didn't, you didn't have to say you it, didn't, like, yeah. mindset, <laughs> like, you know. As you were saying that, my shoulders were going up. Like, up I'm like, well, you didn't, like, uh, you didn't have to, yeah. yeah. It was universal. You don't have to say it, it was ba- that it was based on God's word. I mean, like, everybody knows that. Duh. <laughs> Duh. Doy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there we go again with that, like, mindset. Uh. Like, they have such lame. It's so stupid. Like, they're just like, well, you didn't have to. It was just a given. And it was universal. We didn't have to say it. Oh, man. Like, like we've heard that, like, three times now. Yep. 
But as the years went by, they, you know, that secular humanism creeped into law interpretation and he just like fucked everything up, according to him. So he gives three myths that characterize humanistic interpretation of law. The first being the denial of absolutes, which we talk about all the time, how they love absolutes. Zero nuance. Well, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So the denial of absolutes. Um, the second being the constant evolving of law, because God forbid law evolves with how the world is changing and not set back in like, you know, biblical times. <laughs> it's not the same world, but you know. Um, and then three, replacement of God's authority with man's authority. Ick. Yep. So that kind of sums up as far as the things I wanted to cover from the wisdom booklets regarding government in a more in-depth way. Okay. But guess who had a cameo in the wisdom booklets? Ooh, I'm ready. A little name drop, if you will. Okay. None other than David Barton. Damn. If you thought we were done talking about that pseudo-historian, you were wrong. David Barton's like the DJ Khaled over here. He just kind of like muscled his way into a bunch of stuff. <laughs> In booklet 53, <laughs> under a section titled, How Does the Foundation of America Illustrate Building on Rock and Then on Sand? Like a rock. Oh, like a rock. <laughs> um, he gets like a little one sentence shout out in that oh, section. Okay. Saying, quote, Researcher David Barton has gleaned a wealth of information about the founding of America, which gives powerful motivation to rebuild the nation upon the rock of God's word. Oh, there he is. You know, it's I'm a I'm sorry, I'm a reference person. You guys all know this by now. You know, it was going through my head because I said DJ Khaled was him was Bill Gothard reading this and then him going David Barton in the back. Merp. So beyond this little wisdom booklet cameo, David Barton is no stranger to IBLP. Okay. He has been a speaker at several family conferences over the years. And then included on IBLP's website are 13 different resources from him available for purchase. (laughs) Oh, there it is. Most of which are sermons, presentations, whatever you want to call them from those various conferences. Okay. And I, whoa, my voice, what just happened? Whoa. Anyways, and I saw some dated back as far as 1999, so he's definitely not new to this by any means. It's not like he just came into IBLP because of like, oh, we met the dog, you know. Of course, This goes way back. Jeez. And then even his son, Tim, also has things featured on IBLP as well. So. can never trust a Tim, nope. let me tell you. If you learned anything, it's don't <laughs> trust a Tim. <laughs> I also saw a former ATI student reference that David Barton's America's Godly Heritage videos were distributed distributed to them via ATI. Oh, okay. So they specifically use the word distributed. So I take that as it was sent to them as part of the curriculum. Okay. But maybe I'm wrong. Um, maybe it was a suggested supplemental resource, but just because of the use of the word distributed, I took it as being 
a part of it. Right. But either way, it doesn't really matter. Either way, it highlights the relationship that IBLP has with David. Yeah. That connection is a lot deeper than yes. I thought it was. Like Regarding that exact video, in the 1990 version of it, which is likely the one given out to ATI because of ATI coming in in 1984, mm-hmm. um, he said, quote, On January 1st, 1802, Jefferson wrote to that group of Danbury Baptists, and in his letter he assured them, he said the First Amendment has erected a wall of separation between church and state. He said, but that wall is a one-directional wall. <laughs> it keeps the government from running the church, but it makes sure the Christian principles will always stay in government. Wow. That is that is a take. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. And I guess in later versions of that same video, he reworded that part. <laughs> So very much in line with what we talked about last week with how he will kind of backpedal on things once he gets called out on it. Once he realized like... It's like he oh, thinks damn. he's going to get away with it. And then when he realizes he's not going to, he's like... Right. Yeah. God. Also, um, remember back to how the wisdom booklets had that same bunk quote from John and John Adams that doesn't really exist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just have questions. No answers here. But just questions. So did Gothard and Barton both have the same shitty source material for that quote? Right. Was Gothard Barton's source for that later? Because remember, ATI mm. came about in 1984. He had Rebuilder's Guide in like 89 or 88 right. or whatever it was. The first one was like in 87 and then he added and became Wall Builders in like 88 or 89. So ATI came first. Mm-hmm. Um... So did they have the same like I said, same right. shit source material? Is Bill did Bill Gothard like make that shit up and then that became David Barton's source? Was Which David one do Bar- you think it is? Was David Barton his source that he got from him even though David Barton didn't have his own thing yet? Mm-hmm. I just have questions. What do you think it is? I mean, I guess I want to say they both had the same bullshit source, but I don't know. I don't think so. What do you think? I think I think Bill Gothard heard these ideas and formulated it in his head and then spewed it out and then that became the source for David Barton. I um, mean, I could I, I think, think anything's possible, quite honestly. Because I feel like I feel like confirmation bias leads, which is very prevalent in this group, leads to a lot of of like people getting their chuff up about the same shit because they they think they believe the same thing and i also like you're seeing that in our modern news cycle where one random you know website will post this thing with no real sources to it everybody picks it up <laughs> because they use that as their, as source. their source yeah so now misinformation gets spread because that one website that has no scruples is now being sourced. You know what I mean? As, yeah. There yeah, is, even yeah. though they got it from nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's just interesting. That's just something to think about. Yeah. Like, what is the fucking source of all? It's just right. funny. Like, when I saw that quote in there, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I just, I love it when things build off of each other, even when I don't intend to. You know? Where yeah. I'm just like, is this just shit fucking writes itself? Like. Well, 
this whole group is just so much like incestuous. It's very incestuous, and I'm not. That's not a pun. I promise. Like this is very much just like the snake eating its own tail. Yeah, where they just kind of get themselves all like all up about something. Yep. So that's David Barton's connection to IBLP. Like we were just kind of wow. saying, all the same names and faces popping up everywhere. Nothing is really a coincidence or unrelated, as we've come to learn. No. It also explains why a man who lives in Texas flew to D.C. to give a tour of the Capitol to the Duggars. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I hadn't even thought about that. Wow. Beyond publicity of, like, you know, being on the TV show or something. Yeah. There is clearly a much deeper reason and connection as to why he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, he does, like, a couple times a year do a tour of the Capitol for pastors, which is great because then the pastors go and tell the same bullshit that he spews to their uh, congregation. And it just spreads even if you're not a part of all, you know. Yeah. But so is it possible he was already there for one of those? Maybe. But I still think it doesn't matter either way. This mm-hmm. There's a connection as to, like, he wasn't just random. There's a reason why he was giving the tour Correct. to the duck, the Duggars. Yeah. Um, and just... On that note, I see this all very differently as an adult now in rewatch. Okay. I remember thinking that their religion wasn't a huge part of the show, just like their belief system. Mm-hmm. Like when I first watched it back in the day, like I was like, yeah, you know, like they mentioned God and they prayed, but I was like, whatever, you know, we just mostly watched them in skirts going and doing shit, you know? <laughs> like I didn't think much of like the full, it was more about their lifestyle to me more than like religious mm-hmm. aspects. But now, as an adult in a rewatch, I now see how it was much more subtly in there than I realized back then. Oh, yeah. Like, mention of people like David Barton makes it sound very in passing. Or, you know, how Jim Sammons, you know, for their financial Mm -hmm. seminar. Like, just these little tiny things where you're just like, oh, they're just like mentioning a person who did this thing. But then it makes you realize now, like, oh that's something that a person might be like oh well they mentioned this and like let me go yeah and then you're kind of like mm-hmm. in it in a way you're starting to look down those yep paths like so yeah i just see it all very differently now and i i think being completely transparent i feel like when shiny happy people came out one of the one of the lines that was in the trailer was something to the effect of that you know, TLC created a platform for this person's message, for like the mm-hmm. Duggars message and the IBLP message. And I remember when I first heard that, I thought the trailer was really interesting and I'm a fan. I thought it was well done. But I remember thinking like, okay, that's a little bit of like a dramatic take of like TLC, like promoting this idea. And then now that we've slowly been doing things after that documentary, I'm like, no, I get it. Like, like that hits it on the head where, like, people that don't apply to this idea would poten- could potentially and would potentially go down the line of looking into these things. And I think you also have to think of it in this, in this way. You can say, oh, TLC created a platform for that. And I feel like you might think, oh, that's dramatic. If you think about it, of TLC being like, we want to promote this religion. Mm-hmm. Because, but that's not TLC's. That's not their, their motive was let's show a freak show and, and get, get a lot viewers. of views. Yeah. So 
even though that was their motive wasn't promoting the religion through trying to promote a freak show they were they they were in turn Mm -hmm. so that's where you can be like whether tlc was setting out to give a platform to this or not they did yeah so it's when you look at it in that way that you're like oh that's absolutely true yeah yeah and i think that's what made this so dangerous and i'm not like i think that's what made this kind of why it's a why this documentary is out and why like these people have these feelings about that is is because TLC was doing it for let's be real they were trying to make money yeah like they were doing it for a way to create content that would make them money and i think the the i don't think everybody was 100% innocent but i also feel like the the secondary thing that happened through this was that you created a platform for a potentially hazardous group yeah you know absolutely yep damn it all connects all of it <laughs> fucking all of it you're like charlie day right now with the cigarette in his hand pointing at the board with all the red yarn you like. should have seen me when because like i said like i skimmed all 54 <laughs> wisdom God. books when i was How skimming you put up with when that? i was skimming the law sections of all 54 the second i saw david i was like david burton <laughs> and i was like and i just start like writing and i'm just like oh my god like but it is it's all so fucking interconnected um last little thing on david barton he's on the duggars family blog uh where they have wall builders his business listed under their favorite ministries no oh. so it's a big circle jerk it's you mm-hmm. know whatever it's all what promotion for each other what was the camp fort rock yeah yeah um and that sums up for today some of iblp's yeah. teachings on government i thought it would be good to cover just now, you know, it was relevant to the topic built off of last week. And I just thought it would be good to go over before in the future at some point. I don't know when. But eventually covering the Joshua Generation stuff down the road. Mm-hmm. Oh, before we man. get to that, I just thought it would be good to talk about what does IBLP say about government? Correct. So, yeah. I thought it was a good building block for mm-hmm. later on. I agree. I have a couple of I thoughts. I can't believe you read that many manuals. Oh, my God. God. Wait, Kim came home last night, and I was laying in her bed, and I was, like, just, like, reading shit. She, like, kind of didn't even acknowledge that <laughs> yeah, I was home. I like, I was so excited to be home, and she legitimately, like, didn't acknowledge me because she was steeped in bullshit. Yep. Sorry, honey. I blame IBLP. Yep. I mean, it's easy. <laughs> I blame them for a lot of things. <laughs> All right, what are your things? Hit hit me. So I find it funny how they rail about things not being about man. Because they were just like, it's not about man, it's about God. Mm-hmm. And all, like, in this. But they proceed, because, you know, that was part of the humanism. It's about, like, oh, you're making it about man, blah, blah, blah. Right. But they then proceed to make, to put a lot of emphasis on man at times. Like, it was so important that all those randos on the Mayflower. Yeah. It's like, what are all these randos, you know, on the Mayflower saying? And then it's super important that the founding fathers wanted a Christian nation, according to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, I thought it wasn't about man. So it's like, why the emphasis on what they thought? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what it comes down to is just I'm like. Wait, I thought it wasn't about that. So why yeah. are you sitting here and using that as such a huge argument? Right. 
I wasn't born in the Isle of Man. I was born on the Isle of God. (laughs) But it's because telling those, like talking about those men, Mm. it's because they're selling what you want sold. Of course. So that's why. Confirmation bias, yeah. Or at least your telling of them Mm -hmm. is selling what you want sold. Absolutely, (laughs) yep. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not about man, except for when we say it is, because they're doing and saying what we want. Right. So then it's fine and different. And then the whole thing about power, um, not supposed to be coming from beneath, mm-hmm. except when he says it's okay to vote for your representative. Of course. In his like ide- ideal republic situation, even, that he was yeah. talking about. So is it okay or is it not? Well, like, my, that's everything in this. My question is, what does that mean about voting on things like propositions mm-hmm. and things that aren't votes about an elected official? Mm-hmm. Is that is that okay? Is that too much power coming from below? There's just no mention of that. Do we pray for God to do something about this? zoning area that is going to be a commercial district instead like like you know are we voting about marijuana (laughs) are we voting about like something with the power blah 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 so but that's not an elected official which was his time that was just like well you know those are elected yeah i just feel like it's like those are so much you brought up you brought up things about like modern society and that like propositions are things that are used to make sure that you're that a a governing body is positively effective affecting the people that are living in their area, right? Yeah. So it's that idea that like that is a very modern thing. Nobody in biblical times was being like vote on proposition 304, you know. <laughs> they didn't have signs in every fucking corner littering for That were blocking when it. you're trying to yeah, turn dude, Oh wait, there was no cars. I'm Never just mind, trying so. to turn left and then there's fucking prop 208 in the way. <laughs> you know, so like that that's a very modern thing but it's a thing that affects our lives and could greatly affect some of our lives you know what i mean but is it okay <laughs> but you know there's no he doesn't mention it so right you know but that's the way it is like we're just not we're going to say this thing and then mm-hmm. when it comes down to details just you know we don't we don't talk about it it's just such a weird like i'm thinking about this in the new job but like there's certain things to my employees that I'm making sure that they know that like hey these these things are important like I need I need you to make sure that you're doing this thing. And it's the equivalent of one of the employees being like do I really have to do that and I'm like nah you're fine. <laughs> like that's how it feels like consolidating the walk-in and making sure that there's labels on everything so we're not, you know, so we're selling fresh product and we're rotating what we have and there is very important. Do I really have to label everything? Nah, you're good. Never mind. Yeah. 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 Forget not, I said it. It's like super important. But like next Monday, it'll be important to me. Yeah. But like, nah, it's fine. Yep. <laughs> and then back to the whole Christians are the conscience of the nation. And without them, evil will triumph thing. <laughs> I was thinking like, okay, like as a kid, because remember, kids are reading these wisdom booklets. Yeah. As a kid... I feel like that could either give you like so much anxiety from the weight of that and or because it could be combination or, you know, one or the other. Mm-hmm. Think of the elitism that the di- 
that idea can foster. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, well, mm-hmm. we were the conscience of the nation. Well, we're yeah. here to, you know, triumph over evil. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just a random thought I had that I just yeah. wanted to point out. I'm like, that's just like such a thing to say to kids. Like, mm-hmm. well, you're the conscience of the nation. It's like, whew. Well, it's a good thing we're here or, oh, fuck, oh, my God, I have to do everything right because yeah. I am the conscience of, you know. Yeah. The piety that that breeds is crazy. Yeah. Just nuts. <laughs> That's not kind of it for me on this. Anything you want to say? Um, Not on that, no. Uh, so I have the Mildred and her library card story, but would you like to go with yours first? What would you like to? No, nope, do your thing. Okay. So Mildred. Okay. This is what you guys really came for with that that hot Mildred content. You guys sat through two hours of <laughs> IBLP bullshit and Duggar bullshit to hear just about. to get here. Okay, so Mildred, so library cards. Okay, as you guys know, I do a lot of reading for this podcast, including reading a lot of books. I'm a big fan of book things for resources Mm -hmm. and i'm all sometimes i think ahead and i have a bunch of books already like i try to go like i know at some point i want to cover this so i have a backlog of books on hand for future deep dives but every once in a while deep dives pop up that i'm like i didn't really know were coming right so like recently with pat robertson i was like frantically trying to read him and his wife's like Mm -hmm. autobiographies right right and so I was on the trying to do like the whole Libby app thing, which gets you access on your phone to library books and like whatever, mm-hmm. like the ebooks. But like when I was getting on my library card, at fr- it never said the problem was dues. It kept saying that there was um a block on my account. So I'm like, well, what the fuck's going on? I did have some really old, like I didn't even realize, um, overdue charges, like fees, yeah. yeah, fees mm-hmm. from dvds dvds will fucking kill you but uh so <laughs> for some media section <laughs> right they're much more expensive support your local library by the way so i paid those fees and thinking that that would take care of the problem mm-hmm. and it's still saying i have blocks on my account I'm like well what the fuck is this about yeah. so then i try to get it on tim's account and when i go with tim's more mine said block from the very beginning and then i thought fees would take care of it mm-hmm. his said he had fees. And so I'm like, okay, cool. I had some block for another reason. Right. The fees weren't it. So then I pay Tim's fees, which is like nothing compared to mine. Mm-hmm. Mine were expensive because of the DVDs. <laughs> um, then pay his. And then it says blocks on your account. I'm like, the yeah. fuck is going on? I'm like, this is ridiculous. So then I'm really trying to read this book. So then my only solution at the time, because it's the weekend and... They're not going to answer anyway because it's the weekend. But I'm like, even then, I'm just like, who the fuck wants to talk to somebody on the phone? Um, Who does that anymore? So I was like, well, I'm just going to create a new account under Mildred. (laughs) So I'm expecting kind of like the post office for them to ask for a birth date and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, But then, no, they do it totally differently. They only asked her age, not a birth date. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, well, in that case... She's seven. I just made it what she is now, right? You know, (laughs) because before it was that I was like, oh, my, I just thought about, because I had to give a date and I just randomly gave my niece's birthday. Well, at this one, I'm like, oh, I don't even have to give a date. This is great. (laughs) She's seven years old. So I put in she's seven. 
and it works. We get a fucking e oh like God. library card and everything. I think that's the end of it, right? And then later on in the week, our ch- I check our our mail here at home, and we have a postcard from the Glendale Main Library. Okay. Addressed to the parent or guardian of a minor child. This is to inform you that your child, written in handwriting, Mildred Salgado, has recently applied for and been given an e-card in the Glendale Public Library system. (laughs) And it is a library procedure to notify the parents who are legally responsible for a minor child. Your name has been provided as the legally responsible party. (laughs) So I brought it inside. I'm like, I didn't think it would go this far. (laughs) I didn't. I wasn't expecting like a parent guardian postcard wow. about like all that. So it's like so. First, we have this whole you know post office thing, and it's like, and then now we have the library card thing. And I don't do these things as like a ha ha. Like they come about for like legit reasons. <laughs> like I don't just like decide like I'm just gonna go out there and create yeah. shit like acting like my cat is a human child. I don't just like seek out to do that. Like. They okay. really present themselves, you know, in in <laughs> to me necessary situations. So you've technically lied to two government organizations about the species and age of our child. I want to be very clear, though. <laughs> I have never claimed her as a human child to the IRS, <laughs> which is the that's true. That's the, like the end all be all. The government you know like office that like that's so irs if you're listening i have never claimed mildred salgato as a human child on our taxes agree which is actually funny that we're saying this because just literally last night um i posted on our stories in our instagram i was did you see it Mm -hmm. where i was like uh i checked our mail and there was two letters from the irs one for tim one for me and i'm like oh my god (laughs) And then I posted a a picture of my Fitbit mm-hmm. on Instagram that was like yep. I think I said like the anxiety the the heart rate of a woman with anxiety who checked mm-hmm. her mail and has an unexpected IRS IRS letter, letter, yeah. letter like whatever oh my god it it was for from 2018 that apparently we we got like a refund check for 1328 <laughs> and they're like. Your check expired in April, so f- to have it reissued, you need to call us. I don't fucking care about $13.28. I want the last 30 seconds of my life back <laughs> yeah. that took off 15 years of my life. That's what I want. I don't yeah. need the $13. I need the years of my life back. Yeah. I mean, it's 26 tacos if you go to Jack in the Box, but, you know. True. Less, because it's like a dollar and something now, but... Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> So, yes, to the IRS, we have never claimed Mildred as a human. We only lie to the post office and library. Not you. (laughs) Not for taxes. And if there's any post office employees or or library workers, it's not that we think you are lesser of a government government entity. Um, You just won't charge me uh, (laughs) large amounts of money. It's wild. It's so funny that Whitney technically did that with two different groups. Oh, Mildred. Mildred's in a is just an innocent bystander in your lies. I did post briefly on like 
Instagram. I was like, oh, yeah, Mildred has a library card. I, I should probably <laughs> talk about that now on the next episode. And someone mm. replied, we were like, I'm a former librarian and I got one from in my dog's name because of for interlibrary, <laughs> like, like, so you could get, like, you know, whatever. Uh, and I'm like, see, even the librarian even has the it for their dog. So it. it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, man. The government just. They're confused. They're like, is she 18? Is she 7? Is she a cat? Is she a human? Yeah, they don't know. They don't know that she's an icon. Yep. All right. Well, if you loved our story about Mildred and you wanted to... Ooh, real quick, before we go, what was the reference? Oh, um, what's more vulnerable than a peach? It is from Elf. That is correct. I... And, you know, I will say... Any mention of it, we can. I mean, you see the peach emoji, I say it. Yeah. I see a peach in the store, say it. Mm-hmm. See a peach flavored something, I say it. What's and then now, vulnerable? when she's wearing her collar, every day. Yep. What's more vulnerable than a peach? <laughs> and it was Andy Richter, too. Andy Richter, who used to be the co-host of the Conan, like everything Conan related. Uh, fantastic comedian, great podcast. Uh, so, yeah. What's more vulnerable than a peach? All right, so if you would love some more Mildred-related content, you can find us at Digging Up the Duggars Pod on Instagram. You can feel free to buy us a pickle or a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash diggingupthedug. There's been a lot of really good feedback on there and people kind of throwing some messages at us. So thank you for any new members. Thank you for anybody that bought us a coffee. Um, it's a kind of a cool social space to kind of in, you know interact as well. And then if you would like to send us any sort of email, we do have an email, diggingupthedougars at gmail.com. And as always... Judy, we- that's the email. And as always, we do have a P.O. Box, P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona, 85312. So thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.